0: fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever and with fishing booker you can experience it too no matter where you are discover your next adventure on fishing booker
1: welcome to the elk shape podcast i'm dan staton this is your blue collar do-it-yourself self-guided public land elk hunting learning curve resource where we leverage hunting to create more personal development. Our goal is to educate and encourage our listeners to become the best possible version of themselves through hard work, delayed gratification, and being accountable to themselves. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever. Welcome to OXJ Podcast, Dan the Fitness Man. What's up? Today, we are sitting down face to face with a super stud, Brian Barney, out of Ennis, Montana. He is a former writer, contributor, like freelance for many hunting publications back in the day. And then he moved into a staff position with Eastman's. He also then created a podcast called Eastman's Elevated. He also has a fly fishing podcast. And this guy's just the real deal. So if you don't know who Brian Barney is, you're in for a real treat. One of the most positive, uplifting, motivated, hardworking men of strong character. This guy's goal. This is a great podcast. And he has his own platform. And instead of doing a swap cast, we actually just ended up recording two podcasts. First one was with for Elk Shape and then second one was for his podcast. And I don't know when that's dropping. But here we are. Early July. A lot of scouting ahead, plans are starting to finalize, gear starting to get tested, maps are getting poured over, trail cams are hung, weapon is being shot, sweat is being broken every day in the name of Better Elk Hunting. I love this time of year. Separation is in the preparation, so everything that can go wrong will go wrong. You have to think of everything. You have to get in a quiet space, pour through your gear, test all your batteries, all your equipment, go through it, make your pack list, Dump your pack, repack, figure out the best way to go for yourself. I mean, this is the time of year where you really can make a difference. You don't want to be on the mountain going through your gear, wishing you had done something different, wish you had looked at more maps, or wish you had plans D, E, F, G. You know, you need to do all your due diligence and you still need to ma- manage your portfolio. You got to take care of your fitness, you got to take care of your finances, you got to take care of your family, you have to plan ahead, make sure that you're not a burden to your household when you leave. I hope you guys can relate to me. These are the things that I'm going through, and I appreciate you listening to this podcast. We're going to dive right in with Brian Barney, but first, let's pay a few bills. Vortex Optics out of Wisconsin Hooking y'all up with the Elk Shape discount code, 20% off apparel. Have you seen some of their new apparel? I just ordered a gaggle of it because it's super slick. Some of their new hoodies that are lightweight, I actually might be using while hunting. Black Ovis is still really good to Elk Shape. Use the discount code Elk Shape to get 20% off, except for Sika Gear. If you want a discount, you have to pick up the phone and call Black Ovis Wilderness Athlete. Elk Shape 30 will get you 30% off your first order. Climate Sleep Systems, Elk Shape 20 will save you twenty percent. Baku e-bikes, Elk Shape four hundred. Uh we are giving away a Baku bike when we get back from the Wisconsin camp. That's coming up real quick. And then kinetrek boots, can't tell you about that one. Lakewood, Elk Shape twenty twenty, get ten percent off Lakewood products. They make really snazzy bow cases and things like that to protect your equipment. I have the double bow case. It's super legit. So this time of year I'm super Focused on getting my base map off grid dialed in, activating my Garmin in reach, doping my Matthews, uh, slapping on Grim Reapers, testing Broadhead Flight, getting my fill points and Broadheads, just mm, money, and then. Um, in the store for Elk Shape, we have 90 Days to Freedom, and it might be time to start promoting 21 Days to Elk Shape because that's a fast, specific archery workout program that includes shooting under duress systems to get you ready for elk season, and it's only three weeks, so it's super palatable. You might want to check that out. The Elk Collective is uh, launched, and I think you have till July 14th to get the Elk Collective membership for 69 a year. You'll be grandfathered in. And then we go to our retail price of 119 starting July 15th, 2020. So check that out. That's with my boys Jason Phelps, Dirk Durham, John Gabriel, and a host of badass elk hunters that are helping provide content that will always be updated throughout the year. Shorten your elk hunting learning curve. Experience consistent success. Grow with us as we learn on our journeys as well. Uh, getting food cooked up right now for the season. Got the uh, dehydrator out. I'm going to start making my own meals, add more vegetables. I'm going to take the Wilderness Athlete Green Formula in the backcountry this year, coupled with the Hydrate Recover and the Energy and Focus. Uh, Making some of my own protein bars. Stole a few recipes from Lamper, Stealthy Hunter, and spent a good chunk of change on healthy ingredients. They just arrived today, and I'll be making those soon. So a lot of preparation, and uh, that's my middle name and it's because i've been elk hunting so long and i know what it takes and i got a big season ahead i hope you do too well let's get into it with brian barney eastman's elevated basically we talk about his mindset we kind of dig in on his preparation it's very appropriate for this time of year and we'll catch you when the show's over uh, guys, we're hanging out with Brian Barney. We're in Bozeman, Montana. We are at Ryan Lampers' Western Hunting Summit, and I'm super stoked because I got to steal Brian and kind of get to know him a little bit better. I have a few notes jotted down, but just wanted to conversate with you, bro. Like, first off, thanks for coming on, man. Like, super stoked to have you. Met you last year, and I already knew about you. Followed you for years. I mean, I'm old school. You're old school. We're back from like the days when you wrote articles. And you couldn't wait to get that magazine. And it was cool to see your stuff in there, but as well as everyone else's. Even to the point where you didn't know what kind of season anyone had until the magazine came out, right? Do you remember that? Like there was no texting. But uh, nowadays, I mean, it goes to the gram or whatever. So you kind of know. But man, you're just like the guy that you portray on social media. You're the same guy. Uh, and in my world that's like everything like you're the realist you're authentic and I was like I like Brian Barney and that was a year ago here we are today good to see you man what's your role at the uh, at stealthy's little western hunting summit uh, how are you helping him out with that
2: Yeah, the Western Hunting Summit, man, this has been fun. And and I have to say, likewise, I think we're around the same age and and I've all, you're always hustling and you always have uh, such, such great information for guys out there. And I love your social media as well. So thanks so much for having me on just to start with Dan, but yeah, the Western Summit, this has been fun. So Lampers included me in this, me and Lampers became friends a few years ago and um, we're always talking, hunting and having each other on. Uh, podcasts and getting really excited about, excited about chasing elk. And so he invited me to this hunting summit last year. And uh, Ryan does a, a two day overnight. And so we do a big hike in the mountains. We stay up overnight and uh, we glass for elk, bear, deer, and, and it gives us a chance to, to see a real country and, and hike in there and have an adventure with other guys like other like-minded people and go up and have this adventure in the mountains where you glass and then you know they're able to to ask these questions that pertain to their hunting or look at a hillside and go what would you do if you saw an elk there and then take in this information and we all kind of develop our own styles of hunting but ryan invited me so i do the the hike with him, and then i come and i'm one of the presenters and so i presented this morning and and presented you know I'm just a little bit different. Everybody gets their their own individual way they hunt elk and and mine is definitely spot and stock and keeping quiet and the element of surprise. So that's a lot of what my talk was on, was on, but but along with that, it's just how to, you know, what would help me the most at that age when I'm when I'm so sick for elk hunting and I'm just trying to gather all this information, which is currently right now too. Like it's a, it's my life 365, but I just tried to package this information that I could give these guys that would really help them out. And and with that was the mental side and the physical side, and then really get into these spot and stock tactics of locating elk and, and then how to close in and then how to have ice water running through your veins and make these, the these critical decisions the these instinctual decisions that determine whether or not you're successful and so i just tried to give those guys that information and they're great everybody's soaking in information um, and 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 I'm soaking in the information as well the presenters like you I love your talks and and Cody and Ryan and and I get something I pay attention every time one of those guys is talking because you get to to hear their 20 years of elk experience wrapped up and and they have maybe a little bit different style but there's good takeaways and there's good insight that you can gather from that so
1: um, yeah that's what I'm here doing at the Western Summit it's cool to be part of yeah you just nailed that presentation I'm not sure where you'll be able to find that content guys but but once we figure it out, I'll let you know. Because someone you were mic'd up and somebody was filming, so it'd be great for f- people to be able to see that. Uh, so getting to know you, just kind of behind the scenes, like uh, Brian's got a podcast. He does it with uh, Eastman's. He's the host. He's got a lot of episodes, great guests. Uh, but that's all cool. But I want to like, I don't know if you've left off any stuff that I can unfold on my podcast about Brian Barney. Like uh, I just know you're hardworking and you're a consistent. At everything you do, whether it be shooting your bow, successfully punching tags, there's always wild game in your freezer, you're always spending time with your family, taking them outdoors, you swing a hammer, you have a crew, you know, you're just kind of a guy that just does everything to the best of your ability. And I like that, and I want to kind of distill down what it is that makes you tick? Like, why are you the way (laughs) that you are? And I don't know, that's kind of reflective question, but like, man, what is it? Is it, is it hunting that makes you tick and then it just feeds everything else? Or like, how do you have this strong desire to just be awesome at life? Yeah. What a great question. Yeah. It's,
2: um, it's this drive, you know, to, to be a, a, a good person. I definitely got hooked on, on hunting and it, I found something that I could put my effort in. And I, I learned these life lessons um, early, like in high school, uh, high school wrestling. Like I, I just immersed myself in it. And, and we're meant to be busy as humans. We're, we're, we're meant to be doing things and wearing ourselves out. And so I found this wrestling. And then I found, I learned these lessons. Like it was extremely difficult, but the harder you work, the better you got. You know, the the more you train, the more you ran, the more stairs you ran, the better shape you were in, like the more endurance you had, the better you were in the third round, the more you worked on your technique and wrestling year round and wrestling freestyle and Greco and, and collegiate and wrestling and all these, the, the different leagues and then and then wrestling with people that are better than you we had a good program and so I got to see a state champion come up in front of me I got to wrestle with him I got to learn from him take take what he knew and then take his knowledge and apply it to my own wrestling career so after wrestling I didn't go to college or pursue it um you know I didn't have the same attitude about school and looking back on it. You know, I wish I would have worked harder at that portion, but it just wasn't the way I learned. I learn when I'm really interested in something. A- and then I can dive head first into it, and I'll do everything to learn everything I can to get as good as I can at it. But I have to be interested in it. I can't have it just be something that you tell me I'm supposed to learn and be passionate about. I'm not passionate about algebra. I'm not passionate (laughs) about science. You know, it just wasn't my deal. And and as a kid, you think you know more than you do. So I learned these life lessons and fell in love with wrestling and just kind of got by in school. And so I didn't look to go to college. Uh, My dad uh, owned a small construction business in Washington. And so uh, I went to work construction and I went to work for my dad for a while and then went to work for a different company. And bigger company and started pounding nails and it was like I could make a good living at that so I did that through high school on the side and I always had jobs and had to earn my own money working at Safeway or construction or mowing lawns or worked at a batting cage when I was 13 I bugged the guy every single day because I love baseball and he let me work in the batting cages and so you know had a paper route where you, you know I couldn't get a paper out in my, my own development I had to ride two miles up a, a Capitol Hill or Tumwater Hill up there just to get to where my paper route started. And every morning, it was five in the morning, those papers showed up, do that, and then go to school as a 13-year-old kid. So like, I've always learned the value of hard work, and I was taught those lessons and learned them through high school. But then when I got done, it's like, what do I like to do? I was kind of lost. All of a sudden, I didn't have this physical thing that I was working so hard at, dedicating my life to, to be good at. Like, All of a sudden, I didn't have that. I was like, what am I going to do now? And, and and us as humans, we're meant to have passion and things we love. And, and I always loved hunting and my family, I loved going with them. We hunted blacktails and Roosevelt's and, and we weren't the smartest hunters. We beat the brush. It was thick underbrush. You hunted a hundred yards at a time. And, and basically guys would kill animals off roads and things because they'd cover more country and it'd be open. We were in the brush all day, every day, just getting soaking wet. But through that that tenacity and determination and hard work, we'd kill some bucks and we'd kill some bulls. We'd just go beat the brush every day we had and we'd turn up some, but we weren't great at it. I got some harvest and and then I, it was, um, let's see, I was about 15. I didn't have my rig yet. I worked for my dad all summer. So he'd buy me a bow. Nobody in my family bow hunted. It was all rifle hunting. And I had this vision or this dream to get good with this bow. And so I worked for him all summer. He bought me a bow. That was the deal. And I killed a cow elk that, that season. Uh, I didn't know anything about hunting. I was just back there hunting and ran into a cow. I made a perfect shot. She ran over and died. And my family was so surprised. Here I am, this, this 15-year-old kid, or maybe I was 14. I weighed about 70 pounds. And here I killed this elk all by myself, you know. and My family was just amazed. And then the next year, I killed a blacktail stalking through the timber in this late season. My family couldn't believe it, drug the buck back. And so now all of a sudden I'm harvesting these animals and I'm falling in love with the bow and arrow. But my real passion is wrestling. And so after wrestling, I had to find a place to put my energy. And the outdoors was it. But I lived in Olympia, Washington. They gave me, you know, uh, a couple weeks to hunt or uh, extended buck was Well, let's see. They had bow seasons. The bow seasons were a little bit longer. They had a September, had a later season, but there just wasn't that much opportunity. You had to hunt so hard and you were so limited. It's like you got to you got to hunt for like a month out of the year. I was like, man, how can I get more of that? I love to fish as well. And it's like I started looking towards, you know, lower populations and looking towards Montana. My dad sold me on the dream of Montana. He came out here elk hunting out of state. Didn't take me, but he had stories about it, chasing elk in Ennis, Montana. And, and he had a contact in Ennis, a guy that he had hunted with that had fished with him. He used to run a charter boat. And so this contact that he had, I, I called him and said, hey, I'm out of high school. I'm 19. You know, I'm thinking about coming out and checking out this area. Can I come have dinner with you or come introduce myself? And so he said yes, and I met him in just instant hospitality and nice guy. And he found me a construction job, which was where my skill set is. And and construction and life in general, it's like how how you do one thing is how you do everything. And so I progress quickly in the construction world. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I can wrap my head around things and understand it. And I can understand that you can you can just outwork people. Like if you just show up and and have your head right and go to work eight hours a day, like you're doing better than most, not looking at your phone. and So I was real serious about my work and learning and getting better. And so within a few years, I had quite a bit of side work. And so from that side work, uh, um, my dad had moved over a year after me. So I took his dream, and then he was able to sell his place and move over with his wife. And so family started to follow me. And then my dad, he worked for another guy. Uh, We worked for other people for a few years, and then we went in partners 50-50 on a construction company, and it was just dad and I, and and we took all the shitty work, like all the work (laughs) nobody else would take. Re-roofs, re-sidings, remodels, all the most difficult work, and we do it. And, and we show up, we, we do what we say we're going to do. You know, if you give somebody a price or you tell somebody you're going to be there, you have to do it. It's just the way I've always lived my life. And as I get older and continue to live my life that way, it's even more important that I show up on time. I never miss a meeting. I, you know, it's just the way I live my life is to do what I say I'm going to do. And, and that's, it's, it's like a, you know, I hold that in a really high regard of always doing the right thing, doing what I say I'm going to do, not taking advantage of people. And so that's what I built my business on. And, and through all this, my passion for hunting grew. I moved to Montana and immersed myself in hunting. I dug it. I mean, I could hunt bears. I could hunt elk. I could hunt deer. I could fish the river. I could hunt sheds. And so I just immersed myself. I absolutely loved it. I could not get enough of it all my free time. And as I progressed, I started to learn like the better shape I'm in, like the more endurance I have, the better I can be in the mountains. So now, you know, I had taken a break from running from high school wrestling and now I'm back to it and I'm running the mountains and running these trails. And now I can feel myself getting in better shape. And it's hard for me to articulate or explain to people why I have to be in good shape to be a good elk hunter. Like they don't get it. Like this is still the early days. Like, no, like nobody knew or put that together, but I believed wholeheartedly. And then, you know, I just, I I'd get any information I can. I used to run to my mailbox to get the Eastman's Magazine to read Cameron Haynes' article as the Eastman's bow hunting Journal editor. Like, like that guy, he wrote fire on those pages, you know, and that spoke to me. And so through that, I'm just paying my dues and I'm hunting, you know, as many days as I can, all my vacation, all my free time, and I'm learning and I'm building this skill set. And. You know, just through grit and determination, I'm able to find success, and I would hunt with a rifle or a bow when I first started. I was just into hunting elk and so I immersed myself learned as much as I can I started building this skill set where I started being successful every year and then it was like man man, I really want to kill a nice six point and then I kill a nice six point I really want to kill this size elk and I'd kill that that size elk maybe it'd take me a couple of years to reach that goal or build my skills to a point to where I could but started just obtaining these goals and started to become a pretty good hunter and um as I started to become pretty good, I had these envisions of hunting mule deer up in alpine basins, and so I tried to figure it out in my home range, but there just wasn't the population or the opportunity, so I started to research these other places, and this is before anybody's going out of state and hunting, and high country mule deer isn't popular. You know, there's a few books out there, but there's, there's not a whole lot written about it, uh, um it it's not the fun thing to do but the units that I got to hunt when I was young that nobody knew about and nobody would go hunt mule deer with a with a bow and arrow you know there wasn't many people applying for it so these rifle units that would take guys 10 to 15 years to to get points to draw that tag I could have it in a year or two and go hunt this this phenomenal place and I just started to figure it out and then I started to transpose these skills from the elk woods to the mule deer to antelope to bear and started just figuring out and solving the puzzle to all these different places. And then through that, You know, I started to write about it and started submitting articles to different places and started trying to, you know, explain what it meant to me and how guys could get better because I'm just a blue-collar public land guy that's just put a bunch of time and effort into it. And, And so I started getting articles in print, and then guys started paying me for articles, and then Eastman's wanted to take me on as a staff writer. They said, well, pitch us, a, pitch us a few ideas and then we'll see where it goes, see if we can get you a project. I sent them 30 ideas the next day. My yeah. brain's in overdrive. I yep. think about it all the time. So they signed me up and then I was a writer. I was a staff writer and then nice. I got to write and then got more opportunity through filming and then had this idea, this platform of the podcast and thought, you know, and I, I just, once I have an idea, you know, I, I just decide. I, I like being in motion. I decide I'm gonna do it. I do it. I start the podcast the next day. I'll figure it out as I go. <laughs> yeah, just yep. learn as I go. I don't I don't do a bunch of research or plan it months in advance. I I fly by the seat of my pants a lot. Um, but yeah, just started to to build these things now to where, you know, I can make money out of the outdoor industry and I make it out of construction and, and I just try to live my life in balance and be the absolute best person I can. And I, I do have a wife and family and and, and we just have a good dynamic that we've worked out where they support me a hundred percent and I support them a hundred percent and i I try to be really present while I'm there, not be thinking about problems at work like really being present at a dinner, laughing and joking with my girls you know talking with them, having these in-depth conversations like like just being the the best man I can be so I, I'm in a constant state of improvement, but i I think there's there's just uh there's more to me or there's um you know, uh, I'm gonna continue to being a better, be a better person as as time goes on.
1: Yeah, well, I I love that backstory. I was not aware of any of that, but it is interesting to me that even though you've had this much success, I can feel your fire across the table right now. Like that's the beauty of in person podcasts. Is like, yeah, you're very successful. You could you know, put a feather in your hat on all your prior success. But man, it's like, you've never killed a bull or a high country muley right now. I can just feel your fire. You're like preparing and getting ready for season. So that's going to lead me into this question. Like I understand your strengths quite a bit, like hundred percent mindset and determination. I've seen you shoot a bow and guys listening, like literally one of the best archers I've seen in person. And I I don't know how other people could argue that, but where are your weaknesses, Brian Barney? If you had to take a step back and look at where you're vulnerable, like what are your chinks in your armor? I'm assuming you prioritize those and you don't just sit there and work at, you know, things that you've already made strengths. Like I heard your story downstairs. Like you, you weren't a great archer when you started, you had too long of a draw length. You didn't have a mentor. You were like me, probably taught yourself some bad habits, Mm -hmm. but Today you're damn good brother like you're I wouldn't want to be an animal uh, at all with you in a bow in your hand. So today, where do you spend your time evolving your craft?
2: It's what I like about you Dan so much is you're so honest with yourself and, and um, you're really looking at yourself and I try to look at for my biggest weakness weakness and try to improve it. And, and I'm, I try to be real honest and authentic with myself. And you do a really good job of that. You're constantly evaluating yourself. And so like, like for me, I'm always improving in my skill sets. And where my weakness is, is, is between the ears. It's my own self-confidence. Um, it's believing in my, myself. It's, it's uh, not having self-doubt, um, but believing in my process and my hard work. Uh, but, but I'm my worst critic. You know, I'm constantly judging myself. I'm constantly wanting better. I'm constantly wanting to achieve more. So, you know, partly this is why I am who I am and partly... You know, I I struggle with the turmoil inside my own head a lot. You know, I I am my own worst critic and I do judge myself harshly and I don't give myself enough credit. A lot, like you said, like I don't want to rest on my laurels. Every single season I have to prove myself again, prove myself to be up on top, to be good enough to harvest one of those bulls. And so I never just sit back and look at my mounts and think how good I am. And that's a good thing. I don't think a guy should do that. But it also, you know, it, it goes almost too far the other way where I do... You know, self confidence, self doubt, self worth. You know, and I, I've gotten better with age, but I'd say
1: that's definitely my weakness that I'm constantly working on. Well, I like that you uh, are willing to admit that. Hey, there's a mind game going on between the ears, and we all work our butts off because we know it can put that at ease in between the ears. And if you're not, if you're listening and you're not paranoid about the possibilities of failure, you just haven't hunted long enough. It. It's the most high probability that you're going to fail type game, and you and I can't stand it. I think that's why we found that thing, and we're so lucky to have it because it just pushes us and everything else. Uh, and being being the most critical on yourself and not others, I think that's positive. I think that's awesome. And uh, oh man, it's, it's cool to hear that you're one of those guys that is, uh, you know. Present enough to know that you you've done some good things, but you also are trying to find out what's your limit. What am I capable of? How good can I really be? Uh, And the slate wiped clean each year. It's a blessing for all of us. Keeps us hungry. Um, I want to talk about a little bit of the mental preparedness side of things because I hate the word mental toughness because then I think people think you're born with it, and I'm sure it could be argued that you're born mentally tough a little. However, that's not my contention. I feel like Uh, And I don't want to feed you my answer, but mental preparedness is something that should be on everyone's radar if they want to have a go at archery elk hunting or even rifle elk hunting. At some point, it's going to suck. And I think you said down in your lecture when I was listening just an hour ago, at some point, reality is going to set in. Oh, this storm that I'm in is really happening. Like, I'm in it. So can you talk us through, long answer, short answer, whatever, maybe your theory on mental preparedness and then maybe give us some insight on your approach Mm -hmm. gosh the mental side is
2: everything it's a a good attitude the eternal optimist um man it it is it is the most important thing in backcountry bow hunting, but it's not just something that you can create or that you're given or that you can just decide you want. You can decide you want it, but it comes through through hard work and dedication and making yourself work hard. Like you earn that confidence through proving it to yourself, like getting in those tough positions and making it through, um, you know, having to push day after day after day to try to get a chance at a bull and, and thinking it's not going to come together. And then you create that opportunity and see that payoff and see that that it can come together. So, so that, that toughness, you know, it's something that's earned throughout the year, just like your workouts, how how you push yourself, your, your body wants to quit. It's screaming at you to quit and you continue to go. I learned that through my trail running, climbing hills. And, and I also, it, it teaches you, you know, responsibility. Like, um, you know, discipline, you know, every day you're, you're figuring out how to get this run in while still working your business, being with your family, but you, I find a way to fit it in. It's discipline. It's every single day putting in that work, even when I don't want to. So when season gets here, like, like there's no, I'm not going to give up a morning hunt. Like I'm going to go every single hunt. So I teach myself that throughout the year. And then through bow hunting so much, I've been able to teach myself the best lessons, bow hunting, because you know, a ten-day hunt in the wilderness where you're really pushing hard is is way more, way more of a tax, or uh, way tougher than any ultra marathon I could run. Any, an ultra marathon is just one day. Anybody can push for one day. Try to push for the, you know, day after day after day of what you're 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 absolutely capable of. And, and the human body, we're capable of so much more than we ever realized, but especially when you prepare your body for it, when you run all these miles coming up to season and climb all this elevation and you know that you're fit, you, you just have so much confidence in the mountains. And if you see that elk, you go for it. There isn't any hesitation or any doubt. And so through all this hard work, like you just start to get this mental toughness. And then to be able to endure is like one of the best traits you could have. Like during season... It's like a fighter, like a boxer being punched. You're in a fight. When you get to a hunt, it's never as you planned it. You may plan that you're going to go into this drainage and it's going to be full of elk and you got it all to yourself and you're going to bugle in this bull and shoot him. It's never like you planned. You get there and there's going to be 20 trucks in the trailhead or you get there and those elk aren't there. Now what? You're in a fight. You know, this is where your grit and your toughness shines through. This is what you've been honing all year long. So so now it's time to push. Now it's time to find them. Like, good. It's not easy. Here we go. And, and your your attitude in the mountains, you can't be upset or let down every time. It, it's okay, this didn't work out. What next? Where do I go next? Where animals aren't here. Where are animals? I just theorizing, just trying to figure out what's my next move. And even if I'm not successful on a hunt, but I give that hunt my one hundred percent effort, I'm happy with that hunt. And and like you say, it, we're set up to fail bow hunting is so extremely difficult that, that you're going to fail you're going to fail on stocks you're going to fail on shots you're going to fail on hunts you know it's just learning from it and getting better and improving so you can be better for the next one but really honing that mental toughness by discipline um, you think about it all year long and I try to get through the mental hurdles you know you talked about weather coming in you know lightning it lightning in the high country hunting high country mule deer you know it's real up there, and it's dangerous up there. You can have three hundred strikes within a half mile that are all flash bangs that that scare the heck out of you. You know, and so like I prepare myself for that. I I know. You know, I make myself a lightning plan. I plan where I'm going to camp. I know I'm going to camp off the ridges where I can ride out storms. I'm going to keep myself safe and in safe positions, but I ready my mind for these storms. And I always feel better after I ride out storms. You build confidence. You made it through. So these bad storms I've already seen on the river this year, these bad storms I've already seen during bear season that I've handled, you know, that gives me a a mental edge. I'm not going to go run and hide when I see a storm. Grizzly bears, I'm comfortable around them. I see them. I'm not going to go run and hide after I see one. Where shot my black bear you know I had to move around a sow and three cubs grizzlies to get to him, you know and so I, I just get I try to realize what my hurdles are going to be or try to diagnose even though you never know and I try to prepare myself for them and then just through the years I've been able to hone this this mental toughness and then through my discipline and through my running and through my hard work shooting you know you talk about being a good bow shot you know, nobody's there every single day when I'm shooting 50 to 100 arrows to hone my craft and be the best archer I can be. Nobody's there when I'm, you know, changing up my form to, to get a little bit worse before I can improve and get better. You know, people just get to see that, that arrow hit in the middle of that target. Well, that comes with, with hard work and dedication. That's just showing off, you know, all the the hard work I put into it. And so... Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, mental toughness is something you have to decide you want and then you just hone it. And when you are put in those situations, you choose to be tough, you know? And, and from that, you know, it it grows and, and it grows upon itself. And, and pretty soon, I mean, even me to this day and age, like I'll get in the back country and I'll push my limits. I'll see an elk that's way farther than I've ever gone for an elk or I'll see a mule deer where I got to go lose three thousand and gain three thousand away from my camp. I'll I'll put myself out of my comfort level. Out of your comfort level is everything. The more you can put yourself out of your comfort level and that's everything. That's sitting here on this podcast, that's talking downstairs in front of a bunch of people. That's ice water through my veins too, just like shooting a bow. Yep. Like you know you're going into it and you're talking to thirty guys that are passionate about elk hunter elk hunting and you have to deliver. Like I love that pressure. I I try to I try to embrace it and and embrace, you know, put myself in these tough positions and and choosing the tough choice, coming out on top, maybe making it through a storm, staying the 10 days for the hunt, just, just making it through and grinding. And every time I do that, it builds upon itself. So I'm nowhere near where I want to be in the end, but yeah, I've got a good start on it.
1: Mm. Okay. Well, let's kind of do the back half of the podcast. I want to kind of go through some stuff that people probably don't ask you, I want to know what your season's starting to look like. Like maybe talk us through like your game plan for your 2020 elk season. And then what you're going to do, maybe the two to three weeks leading up to the opener of, I imagine for you, it'll be antelope, but it will move into mule deer and elk, um, when it comes to your prep. And that prep is very vague term on purpose. Like it could be prepping food. It could be boots on the ground. It could be e-scouting. Um, and then finally, Once we kind of discover what season you're going to have and what you do right up before the season, how do you stay fit and deadly with your bow when you're always hunting, you know, any spare moment? So I kind of want to finish the podcast with talking about um, in-season reps and what that looks like for you. Kind of understand your best practice kit. So what do you got going on this year as far as uh, tags in hand and plans? Man, season's starting to fill up. I got some big plans going to be a heck of a year I've just structured my life around
2: what I love to do so now when it gets close to hunting season I've got the time I used to be a weekend warrior and have to take a Friday or a Monday on a weekend now I've got the time and I've got responsibilities and things I need to take care of and I'm I'm sure work, work will be calling at some point but um, you know this season is is um, going to be off the hook I found out last night I drew a special Idaho mule deer tag Um, which is a good early season hunt that'll fit in. But yeah, I'm going to start with antelope. And then um, I've got muleys in Nevada. I've got a buddy that's got a really good uh, bull tag in Nevada. So I'm going to go hunt that with them. Um, And then I'll jump into Idaho deer. And then, you know, elk are so important to me. And I cut my teeth hunting elk. They've taught me everything I know about hunting. And so I like hunting these different species in different places and different habitats. Um, But boy, it gets to September 10th, September 8th. There's nothing I will be doing but hunting elk. So from about then till October 15th, so I've got two elk hunts. Got one in Idaho, and in Idaho's got some great hunting and a bunch of different units, and there's still great hunting to be had all over. But um, Idaho, I got a good bull in there last year, a good six by seven, good wide one. And it was a new mountain range to me. And so now I get to take that knowledge. I get to take a year's worth of knowledge back in there and uh, evolve it even further. And so, you know, I've been looking at my maps and making plans. And what I try to do is just dissect units and parking spots, vantage points. I mark it all a different color than the real spots I've actually been to. So I do a lot of scouting that way but yeah, looking to hunt elk, get going in September. I've got some good buddies coming over, um, some buddies from Hawaii. And so I'll have friends coming in and out of my house and hunting with me here and there. And so hunt Idaho pretty hard. And then, um, we'll go right into Montana elk. Montana's my home state. I did draw a, um, a premium tag this year. It's pretty easy to draw a tag, but it's a bow only tag, uh, good elk populations, fun spot to hunt. I know it really well. And so then I'll, I'll go into hunting that. And then, um, after that, we'll go into Montana mule deer, and um, yeah, I f- have a few other hunts. Drew a good New Mexico late season mule deer tag, but those are pretty much my elk hunts. Is going to be that Idaho, Montana back to back from about September eighth to October fifteenth. As much elk hunting as I can take in.
1: Mm, yeah, I love that you're pretty balanced in your portfolio. I mean, you've you know you've hunted in January down south. You're all... Oh, we share a bond of bear hunting. Spring bear hunting is close second to, well, not a close, but it's my second favorite thing next to elk hunting. And it's just because it's that time of year. You get to watch the mountains come alive and uh, bears are fascinating. And in my opinion, they're just absolutely fascinating. And they're quite the uh, older age class of an animal. You know, people get stoked about a five and a half year old whitetail. And that's kind of a young bear, man. Like bears can get old and they do cool things. And we're all like especially living where you live, man, winter's long, right? And so you can't wait to get out there and just crush it. And there's a little extra energy behind bear hunting because you haven't hunted since, well, if you don't hunt coos or you're New Mexico, typically you haven't hunted since late November, December. you're Jones and it you know April 15th rolls around and Montana's spot and stock only. There's a lot of fire underneath the guy's boots when he's hunting bears with a bow. So, and you, I don't know, you just dig that. I've listened to your podcast on bears. I couldn't agree more. I feel, I feel like you've got it figured out. So guys that haven't heard Brian's podcast, he's on the Eastman's, Eastman's Elevated. And he's got a couple on there that literally are like, you don't have to even read a book about bear hunting. Just listen to a couple of Brian's solo casts on bear tactics and he will crush the elk hunting learning curve or the bear hunt hunting learning curve. Just like the guys coming to this camp this weekend. Their learning curve is going to go down. My elk, hun- elk hunting learning curve was terrible. Like I didn't have a mentor. The elk taught me and they're not very fun to learn from, man. It was uh, some rough years, you know, so that's cool. Uh, when did you start writing for Eastman's? What year? you know, I'd have to really look back, but I think, um, like even contribution, like just send an article in, uh, 2006
2: is when I really started to get published around through 2006, 2009, probably
1: a freelancer. And then after that got signed on. That's cool. I submitted an article in 2006 to Eastman's bow hunting journal and, uh, it went to print. It was a caribou hunt DIY up North in uh, Alaska, but Yeah, Cameron Haynes, he's still a good friend, but I don't think he listens to this podcast. But if you are, Cameron, you need to go back to being like getting down and writing and not just Instagram captions. That dude can write. And he he put some fire out there that undoubtedly changed a, a lot about me. The way that he wrote it was like, hey, man, this guy is preaching to me like he's talking what I'm talking about, like killing yourself because you want to be more successful than anyone else. And there was some good influence that he had back in those early 2000s. So it was cool to hear that that he did that. And I'm sure he would enjoy hearing that. Now, two guys like you and I, we looked up to what he was doing. Like, that was really cool, good writing. So if you guys can, try to go find some old articles. He wrote some good stuff, man. Like, it was challenging and inspiring and uh, fired me up. So, uh, well, guys, we're going to call it a cast. Uh, If you want to follow Brian, obviously, please, I'll leave a link to his podcast. I'm on a mission to get Brian uh, blown up on Instagram because I feel like he uh, is one of the best hunters I've ever met in person. And there's a lot that he could teach you. Um, Where can people find you on socials and all that kind of stuff?
2: Yeah, so they can find me on social. Uh, Eastman's Elevated is the podcast. We also have a a social media page on Instagram. I'm most active on Instagram. um, And then I also have a, a personal Brian underscore Barney on on Instagram and, and find that check out the podcast and um, man just likewise I can't tell you like how much um, you know respect from your peers and somebody that has dedicated themselves to, to being a better person, being a better hunter like you have. So, um, man, it just means the world to, to hear a compliment like that. And, and I just have to say, likewise, I just, I love everything you, you have going on and, uh, really respect your bow hunting. So man, um, thanks a bunch for having me on. appreciate it.
1: Appreciate it, Brian guys. Be like Brian and remember separation is in the preparation. Catch you on the next one well wasn't that a short and sweet to the point podcast with brian barney I want to say thanks to him for taking the time out of his day and talking elk hunting with me and and uh i'm super motivated just listening to that guy i love everything he's about i want to thank you guys for listening to this podcast you have a lot of choices out there We know that, we recognize, and we appreciate your support here. And if you want to keep supporting us, man, go check out our store, get some swag, and come to an elk shape camp in 2021 and elevate your game. Keep working hard. Season's around the corner. Take care of your due diligence. And remember, separation is in the preparation.